0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Vacation Rental Success and what a lovely day it's been. Uh, in fact, what a fabulous week we've just had. Just steaming temperatures, uh, blue, blue sky. Sometimes I cannot believe the colour of the sky and the green of the trees. And I just love having these four seasons because it uh, it just gives you the contrast. When I think two or three weeks ago we had snow, there were no leaves on the trees and now winter is a thing of the past. If you want to f- get a an idea of what I mean, um, you can go to my Facebook page. If you follow me on Facebook, it's it's um, just Heather Bayer on Facebook. And you, I've, I've just uploaded a new profile pic which I took off my uh, j- just right down on the dock, just looking out over the water. And what I was doing was taking taking photographs of the water and of the house and really beginning my plan to rent my primary home out next year and move down into my little cottage, which we call Kingfisher Cottage. So a lot of planning are uh, going into that. And I'm really quite excited, but it's, it's like going right back to the beginning. Uh, it really is because it, I'm almost looking at it thinking, I don't know what to do how do I do this? Um, Where do I go from here? It's it's been a long time since I added a new property to my portfolio. And and I think if I just bought a new one and just started renting it, that would be a different matter. But this is going to be a long process in preparing my own place for rental. We've been living here for uh, 10 years. And running our office out of the basement so it's 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 going to be quite an upheaval but we sat down the other day and went through the uh, the i don't know the finances of it you know is it worthwhile does it really make sense in doing this because we know we will rent kingfisher cottage for uh we currently rent it at 16, 16. Uh, a week that's dollars and we'll rent it for the 10 weeks of high season and probably get a good deal of um low season rentals in there as well. Uh this place is is very different. It's it's a large house. We've got uh four bedrooms, three bathrooms, hot tub, sauna, uh, the beautiful river frontage. And and I think it's going to command a much higher rental rate, but it's going it's also going to I'm going to be aiming it at at an entirely different market. It's going to be a different persona that I am going to be targeting. Um, Personas and rich guest profiling is in fact, and niche marketing is in fact the topic of of this month. It's the theme for this month. Mike, Mike has suggested, and I think it's a great idea, that each month we have a sort of theme that runs through everything we do, whether it's vacation rental formula it's a webinar it's it's the blabs which i'll come back to a bit later on because we're changing our direction on the blabs um and and you know even i'm going to start blog uh, post posting to my blog again uh regularly so we're going to use this this sort of theme this month it's personas and guest profiling and i'm going to be using um, the rental of, of this house as the foundation really for for creating my persona, the sort of person, the sort of composite of the type of guest that I will have here in this property, which is entirely different from the ones that I have down at uh, Kingfisher. So watch this space. This is something that's going to be coming up. I'm going to be posting about it uh, on Cottage Blogger. So talking about niche marketing and and targeting the right people has sort of got me on to the to the starting up a a rental management company because it's tough to do this in in today's um in in, in today's market it really is there's a lot out there so many more so many more people owners are going the Airbnb and independent route That to actually start a property management agency or a rental agency, particularly in an area where where there's a lot of competition, is a very challenging thing to do. And it was during the Vacation Rental Success Summit when I got on the stage with my friend and property manager from Seattle, Derek Eaton. And we started talking about the differences between our two companies, and I realized that before you even start, you've got to establish what your niche is. You've got to establish how you're going to attract your owners, how you're going to attract your guests. So we had a great session at, uh, at VRSS, and if you if you want to check that out, it will be uh, part of the video collection that we will be launching very, very soon, which will have all 12 workshops on it, plus all six keynote presentations. And uh, so you'll be able to watch Derek and I talking about starting a management company and the perils and pitfalls of doing so. So I was, I'm, I'm delighted today to welcome Derek Eaton from Seattle Oasis Vacation Rentals here with me today, just to take this a little bit further so I can talk to him about his very, very unique way of managing a property management company. Let's go over to the interview. So I'm delighted to have with me today Derek Eaton from Seattle Oasis Vacation Rentals. So good to talk to you again, Derek.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Heather. Uh, yeah, we haven't really had a chance to connect since the Vacation Roll Success Summit, so which was awesome.
0: I know, and that that was such a blast. And I I love the fact that you and I got on stage and and did that complete session without really discussing it beforehand. I mean, we knew what we were going to say, but we had no rehearsal. We just went ahead and did it, and I I thought it went brilliantly. I hope that was we never really, we never really got the chance to talk afterwards either to for, for me yeah. to get your feedback on it but uh, i thought it was it was a great marriage of you know very different styles of property management um so uh well so, so what did you think you think it went well
1: yeah i think i think it went well i think with all things a uh, little rehearsal could have helped <laughs> our time flow maybe a little bit but other than that i think People from talking to uh, people that I've connected with afterwards, they thought it was helpful and got use out of it, and um, so that's great. Well, I'll be interested to hear the feedback that you guys. Uh, I know you guys collected feedback for all the all the topics. So I'll be interesting to see that and see where, where we can improve for next time.
0: I, I mean, I saw some of the feedback, but I know that uh, it's be, it's still being collated at the moment. But, uh, the, but the big thing is, is that the, the video of the entire summit is going to be out um, in the next, I, I'm going to say next few weeks. And so, so everybody's going to get the opportunity to see not only our session, but everybody else's too. So I'm really excited about that. And of course, we'll get, uh, we should get a good amount of feedback when uh, when we get that up and running as well for for those people who weren't at the vacation rental success summit and um, who'd like to know a bit more about you tell well tell us about yourself and how you got started in the vacation rental business in the first place
1: yeah, well well um, to borrow I think Matt landau coined the term accidental vacation rentist or vacation rental uh, person that's that's me um, like many many people that I've connected with over the over the years I've Started this by buying a condo. Um, my wife is an interior designer and stager. Um, we found our lovely house about thirty minutes to an hour and a half outside of the city of Seattle, depending on time of day and traffic patterns. And we're extreme foodies. We love the city. We love the city life, but we also like our quiet little farmhouse. With we don't have any chickens, but our neighbor has chickens and you know farm animals and that type of thing. So. We we like the quiet lifestyle, but we also like the everything that the city has to offer. So, um, my wife, being interior designer, she designed um, properties for sale, doing staging, and she did that all over the Greater King County area. So sometimes she would have an hour and a half drive back home because she was working north of the city, and we live south of the city, and then would have to turn around at eight a.m. and do. The commute again and she was like well why don't we buy a condo in the city and when i have those days we'll just meet there and we'll just stay there and when we're not doing that we'll rent it out and we'll just at least get it to break even um what turned out was that i was very good at the marketing side she was very good at the design side and so our very first year we had 85 percent occupancy for the entire year
0: Wow. I mean, it really sounds like you have the marriage made in heaven, not not just not just on your domestic side, (laughs) but but in the business side too. how uh, I you know, I've 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 heard of a lot of um, partnerships in this business, but uh, but yours seems to be very, very focused.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so so with that, design has been kind of on the forefront of how we did business uh, from day one. And then, because of that success, um, it has created more, more success and more people wanting to work with us, and um, so that, that's basically how it got started. So, it started with the one, then had a few owners reach out and say, hey, can you do the same thing for me? Sure, and um, eventually got to the point where I left my day job to do this full-time, and now we're at 40 properties um, under management, and some of which we, we have all the business models, basically, that I'm aware of. We also lease um, apartments and rent them out with the owners' and managers' consent as vacation rentals, as well as manage for owners and do a, a typical commission-based model as well. So we, we do a little bit of everything that way as, um, as far as our business.
0: So you, you told a story about a lawsuit um, at the very beginning of of your business, can you share that one with us?
1: Happy to happy to do that. It, it was uh, both one of those um, blessings and a curses for us in our business. So we had to we faced a lawsuit with other vacation rental owners in our building um, with the homeowners association. Um, so the homeowners association had a, had a amendment to their original declaration that stated that you had to um, rent out for a minimum of six months. That being said, they didn't get sufficient majority to pass that amendment. Um, That amendment was then tested in 1999 by a company that was doing corporate suites at the time um, in the building, and they sued. They won on summary judgment but they ended up vacating that summary judgment and made a side deal of basically, we'll get to continue to operate. We won't have this uh, get removed and you'll just let us go on our merry way and then you know this will fix itself over time. Well, that that didn't happen. Um, It didn't get fixed over time. More people bought into the building because they saw other companies and entities doing the the corporate short-term stay uh, model. Um, and so then we, there was another, you know, in 2009, 10 years later, there was a more critical mass, um, of these vacation rentals. Um, you know, VRBO became extremely popular at the time. It made it easy as a business model, more or less, um, to market and get people to stay and stay in the properties. And so we were top of mind and, so, so they tried to say, "Oh, this this old amendment. Let's uh, dust it off and start enforcing it." And so we we sued. We won. Um, because of that, I that's what started my leasing units. Because I actually leased three units in a neighboring building to have a place for my guests to go. If they made me cancel all my reservations, I would at least have a place to move those guests. Because people book in Seattle, you know, six. Six to nine months in advance for summertime, um, and so I already had reservations on the books, and you know I was forced to comply with this rule as of April thirtieth. Okay, what am I going to do for that guest coming in september um, i I threatened to the board I was like well i 'm going to give them the board email address if uh, you make me <laughs> make me cancel all these reservations. Um, thankfully they didn 't make me cancel them. I was able to just rent out those uh, other apartment units um, to new guests and that was kind of the kickoff to us growing and then after we won the lawsuit um, we of course turned in our data as far as lost revenue and damages and all the other owners that were involved that were self-managing took a look and said wow are you really booking this much. Yeah. And it's like I supplied all my contracts for the past couple of years. I guess this is how much I was booking. So we actually gained some clients from the lawsuit. So, so, uh, like a Phoenix rising from the ashes. Uh, we had a, we had a, we actually grew from that experience. Um, wouldn't wish it upon anybody. It was very trying, you know, 10 months. Um, and that cost our group of owners about $50,000 in legal fees. We had hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost revenue because at that time we had a couple of units that then had to go to long term rent. Um, we did rent them furnished, but we've but still um, people weren't willing to pay the, the same type of rents that we were getting on on the short term.
0: A way to go for having the, <coughs> having the plan B and <laughs> and leasing the the other units. That's uh, that that was good good forward thinking. But I'm glad it all resolved itself and. Uh, at that time, I know, and I know now, you have you know competition in this market, but you've set yourself apart from that competition by by taking quite a unique approach. Um, what you know, how does that unique approach work to to capture you new business from owners in particular? And uh, I'd also at last like to ask about how your owners react to your unique approach too.
1: Yeah, no, um so our what we do differently than than most is we take absolute control of everything when it comes to the vacation rental process. Um it it's interesting connecting uh, industry events like the Vacation Rental Success Summit and VRMA and other events like that where I talk to managers and they're complaining about their owners wanting to set pricing and dictate what they can rent their place for. And I don't give my owners any opportunity to really have much say of anything. I pay for and then dictate where we market. And that's which level, you know, um, you know, platinum versus gold versus silver for all of our properties on on all the listing sites. I dictate where that happens, how much we spend on that, Um, because I'm not going to have an owner dictate to me how much money I can make on that property. That's a commission-based model, so why should I let them say, "Oh, I'm even though you know that the site is going to bring me lots of money, I'm not going to fork over the money for you to do that. Instead, I look at the approach of I'm going to do analysis and find out what my ROI is on that investment of that marketing, and if it makes sense for me as the manager to take that on, I'm going to do it. Um, somewhere it comes to design. Um, so that's the, the newest thing that we've now uh, um, rolled out in our businesses. We basically give people three options. They can either pay us by the hour for our design services. They can get a credit of 50 hours by signing a two-year contract. or a th- For a three-year contract, we'll give them 100 hours, which more or less, depending on the owner and how involved they are in the process, could get us from start to finish on a typical condo far as getting it completely furnished. And then I, I pay for that designer to do their thing, go shopping, buy, buy all the things on our list. There's an extensive list that has 1,500 items that I think are essential for a vacation rental, which um, I had a conversation just the other day with someone that was a prospective um, airbnb or uh, vacation rental person, and they were thinking that they could furnish a two bedroom, two bath condo for about two uh, five thousand dollars. And I laughed and said, "Well, try about twenty five thousand, because that's typically the budget that we work with." And they're like, "What, really?" Um, but the way that the way that we go about it, um, I don't I don't believe in buying things super expensive, but I also don't buy cheap things. Um IKEA, I don't I joked about this with Heather a little bit, but uh you may notice that IKEA actually has four letters in their name, so I consider it a four-letter word. Um reason being that it uh it tends to fall apart. And when as a vacation rental manager why should I be liable for having to repair dealing with guest issues, dealing with all the ramifications of an owner buying something that's going to fall apart that I'm later going to be responsible for maintaining and maintaining the guest relationship for? Um, Why not buy it right? It doesn't have to be the most expensive, but buy a nice quality item that's going to last and stand the test of time and Now, as my business has grown, I I can say things like, here, this sleeper sofa, yes, it's $3,000. It's three times as expensive as the IKEA model. However, I can show you that it will produce $10,000 of income per year, and they last five to seven years um, in our properties, even though they're getting used 200 plus nights a year. You can't say that for an IKEA piece of furniture. They're not designed that way.
0: I do agree with that. I do agree with that. There's, there's certain parts of IKEA that you know I, I still hold true to. Um, and... I,
1: I, I am actually talking to you from an IKEA desk, ironically. <laughs> so my desk. And in I'm sitting. Of,
0: and I'm I'm at one as well.
1: <laughs> that being said, it's not in a vacation rental that's getting used like our properties get used yeah. uh, in in that same way. Thankfully, as the vacation rental manager, I'm at my desk. Actually, very little when it comes yeah. to <laughs> comes to my day to day life. I have a laptop, and that's uh, that's my office where's my office of the day is more more of my theme, so um, this desk doesn't get used that often so um, and it's it's it has served me well the past few years it'll serve me well for a few more years, but i wouldn't put it in a vacation rental.
0: yeah i I do agree on on the furniture on the furniture side and and I, I have this argument with some of my owners at times too. It's and, and I take the probably exactly the same approach as you do. You know, guests are um more hard wearing on furniture um than any residents would ever be, because you've got a, a new influx of people every every week or, or for you every couple of days. And and they just don't have the same respect for it. It's um it it's just the the way the business, the business goes. So I was in in fact doing exactly the same with, with a new owner a couple of days ago, talking about beds and they said, mm-hmm. Oh, we'll go and get the beds from Ikea. And I said, we, we have, and I'm sure you do have some furniture companies in our local area that we've worked with. And I've, I've had them furnish my entire properties in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and I just go in and buy the whole lot um, right the way through. And I, our budget's around thirty to $35,000 um, mm-hmm. for a three-bed, two-bath property. But then, you know, that includes watercraft because all our properties are on water. So I think we're probably in the same ballpark. So just going back on this, Derek, um, mm-hmm. I just want to clarify, when you, you give owners these options, who, who is it that pays for the furniture and pays for, for, for all of these? You, you said design services. What's, what's in those design services? Uh, um, just clarify that
1: yeah so the the owner is responsible for buying the furniture. We just do the brute force work of doing that and you know um i I have learned a lot from my wife, but I couldn't design a vacation rental um and the truth is neither can our can our owners they've never done it before, and it's actually a lot less efficient for them too because they're they're starting from scratch they've never done it. We've now designed. Going on seventy-five properties um, between my wife and I because she's designed properties actually for our competition um, as well for a while. Um, they hired her to design some of their places um, until they could decide to try and copy the process. So I'll I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, and and yeah, so th- that that has kind of been the been been our secret sauce of you know the and the great thing is is over time like i said we have data i even units where owners used our consulting services early on and the owner had a very strong opinion and a very strong design aesthetic that they wanted to follow i have the exact same unit that my wife did the soup to nuts design on and every single year three to $5,000 difference in income. This is the exact same floor plan in the exact same building, very similar view. So all other things aside, you know, it's on my same listing site. I have the same paid listings on all the different channels. So really all things else are equal other than the design. And three to $5,000 a year difference in income. They started working with us, I think, in two thousand and nine, so you know those over the past seven years, are you telling me that they shouldn't have just listened to us mm-hmm. that, that was a very that 's a very real number that could have bought furniture at property number two or three by now
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, absolutely. How do you get your your owners to buy into this? Um you know oh, is, is is it is it a hard sell for you or or are these are you mostly dealing with with investment types who who are very accepting of this approach
1: yeah so it's 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 both um, so I had a sales manager um, early on who taught me never to assume that there's a problem when it comes to price or anything else really assume the sale and that's what i do. I just assume, that I just tell people this is the way it's going to be. And if they have a problem with it, they can speak up and then I can deal with that. I can tell them why they don't know what they don't know. So then I have an opportunity to educate them. That means that we are more, more unique in that our approach is to approach real estate agents and investors before potentially they've connected with a real estate agent, in which case we'll we'll put the two of them together and in that case most investors they want to be hands-off they don't really want to get sweaty and dirty and do all the shopping and do everything that needs to get done they don't have the time to spend 100 hours for us i would say the typical person should plan 200 hours if not more um doing the design side of things and picking stuff out because they don't know what they're doing they don't know which stores to go to they don't have a uh, even though they may have our list they don't know the most efficient way to leverage that list to go to store a first then go to store b all of those those types of things so um so we kind of have both things going for us and that i i just assume that's not a problem and if it is there's some great other companies that they can work with here in the seattle area that being said, I seldom see them have the same kind of results that we do. So that's up to them how they want to work.
0: Yeah, well, it's obviously um, um, successful for you, but it, it sounds like with it sounds like that the work you do to get these properties ready for rental is is sort of top heavy on um, personnel. Um, so your staff to owner ratio, I'm I'm expecting, is, is much higher than other companies.
1: Yes, uh, very much so. Um so there it's not just because of the design side either. Um it's also because a lot of our HOAs actually require in-person check-ins. So I need to staff so that I can have somebody be on site and meet somebody from often as early as 11:30 in the morning all the way into Three in the morning, as far as the last flight coming into Seattle typically, um, and everything in between. Um, you know, it isn't every night that we have a late night check in, but um, I was talking to my staff this week. And it happens to be this week. We literally have someone coming in after, let's call it 10 o'clock at night, every single night this week that someone's having to meet in person and give them a tour of the building and get them checked in. So we're we're very very staff heavy uh, because of that.
0: So so are they are they your staff or 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 do you outsource this at all?
1: That that part of my business I don't uh, I don't outsource. I do use outsourcing for others, but um, no, they're they are employees. Um, I've thought about doing it another way, but in some ways, the way I've thought about it, that face to face guest interaction is probably the most important part of the guest experience that i have control over so why would i potentially outsource that to someone that i don't have that employee employer relationship with so so i have i haven't done that i have tried it at times but um and it i didn't necessarily have anything go wrong but it didn't go as right as it could have either
0: Yeah, this you know. The more I talk to you, Derek, the more I'm I'm envying this model because you know we had this discussion about the 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 differences between our our two property management businesses, and it couldn't be more it couldn't be more of a wider difference. You know, I am in the business of herding cats um, because I have two hundred owners each going in their own separate ways, and you have this this just such tightly controlled business where you know everything whatever happens in your properties is almost directly um attributable to uh you and your staff um am i is 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 that how you'd see it
1: for our managed properties where we have owners involved yes um our apartments that we lease and um sublease we have a little less um eyes on uh, realistically, just because we actually have electronic locks that we use on those properties and are able to use a call box. And so while they're in the same neighborhood, mm-hmm. we aren't in them every single guest turn like we are the managed properties. Um, so with that, I have a little less, um, just because of the coming and going. And I would say we, we, we both have different cats, um, <laughs> Your cats are owners. Um, my owners, I, I spay or neuter them before they walk in the door. And then, <laughs> but then I have my guests that may or may not come at a certain time, even though that we work really hard to educate them, that we don't have someone necessarily standing and waiting for you unless you don't call us, in which case that very well may happen. I have personally sat at a neighborhood bar next to our our building waiting six hours for a guest to show up who neglected to call to let us know that they were running late, that they decided to hit the outlet mall and uh, lost track of time. So, <laughs> so those are my cats. Yeah. Each cats. And,
0: I, and I know, yeah, my cats are, are feral. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I can only say that because I know, I don't know, not all of my cats are feral. There are, there are some there are some, we, we have some amazing owners. Those are the owners that are listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> um, we have some that, um, you know, they, they do their own thing. They, uh, you know, and, and our guests are, in general, very, very happy with that. But when we do get problems, those usually come from, from those, uh, those particular properties where, where the, the owners are, yeah, doing their, their own thing. Um, and over time, I think we're going to be starting to, you know, we're, we're going to be moving to a model that could never be as structured as yours is, but but certainly along the lines, you know, and I've learned a lot from, from talking to you. Um, you must have challenges, though. Uh, you just mentioned one, which was guests arriving at um, much later when, than they're expected. And we, we certainly have, have that as well. What other challenges face you in the day-to-day operations of your business? A
1: lot of our challenges are related to the fact that we do book so many nights. Our, our range is 280 to last year, we had one unit do 315 nights out of the year or booked. Um, so doing preventative maintenance and or scheduling time for units to get refreshed as needed we're at that life cycle of our business where our oldest units have been in our program for 7 years now it's time for some new furniture it's time for some some fresh things and getting in there and blocking off i have a hard time justifying saying no we're going to shut down this unit from this date to this date and work on it because there's people that want to pay me and pay our owners to stay there. So why would I do that? Instead, I try to squeeze it in while it is empty. Um, So it's kind of the the battle between operations and marketing, (laughs) you know, trying to, trying to take care of the properties the best I can and keep them as fresh and guest ready as possible with the counterbalance of, of, making sure that they're i'm doing my job and that is helping our owners make um good incomes with these properties and make them truly income property.
0: Yeah, I haven't had that issue of having any property that is so booked out that we can't get in and do uh do the sort of maintenance you're talking about and upgrading furniture. You know, once again that huge difference between us is that our market is primarily July and August with if if we're lucky we get some june and september bookings but outside of those times that's that's when everybody gets in there and does all that maintenance so so we're not faced with that so it's it's something i hadn't thought about but i can empathize with the uh the reluctance to shut any um income generating property down when you know that you're actually that there is a there is quite a high cost involved in doing that but i guess you know over time you're going to uh, you're going to recover that that cost
1: yeah A, a great example is my very own condo october 2014 we shut it down for six weeks um during that time we did replace some furniture um we upgraded the kitchen the bathroom we replaced all the cabinets did granite countertops um things that my wife and I wanted to do when we bought the place, but we had, you know, when we got started, we had just bought our house. Um, and literally months later we were buying our condo and I don't know too many young couples that, um, haven't, well, we were the only, we were the first person in our friend circle to own our house, Mm -hmm. let alone have a income property at the same time so we basically maxed out everything you know that we had in order to just get it furnished let alone do things like uh, replacing anything so we planned for the day that we were going to replace the kitchen and Mm -hmm. the bath and do all these upgrades we spent about thirty thousand dollars on all those upgrades well in 2015 the property produced fifteen thousand more dollars in income so in just the very next year I want to go in back to the idea of how design pays for itself. Um, we paid for most of that. And those are upgrades that are going to live with the property for all of time. Our property is now worth more money because we did. What's the number one thing all the design shows tell you? Up, you know, Upgrade your kitchen, upgrade your bathroom. It's, you'll get your money back. Yeah. Well, that's where we did it. Um, and we got it back in the income as well as property value.
0: Yeah that's that's great. Let's let's move on a bit um to your website because I, I I love your website. It's 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 great to look at. Easily navigable. You also have great content. You know, you go through the blog posts and there are there are a lot of them and they're all about what it's like a travel portal. You know, I talked to David Angotti um recently talking about smokymountains.com and and that that site is a travel almost a travel portal with vacation rentals attached um whereas yours is is this great resource library i think for for people who are coming to seattle to to actually check out what they can do the restaurants they can go how much time do you are you actually investing in that content creation
1: so that is one area of my business that you Probably would be surprised to find out that I actually outsource. So I spend very, very little on that part of my business. Um, I hire a digital marketing company to come up with that content. Um, sometimes, because they aren't based here in Seattle, sometimes they I admit they miss the mark as far as making a restaurant suggestion that I'm like, you recommended this place two miles away from our properties, and I would have said this one right here. But know what? That's one of those parts of my business that I let go of because I also have both the Glad to Have You app that I did cre- um, create all the content in, as well as we spend uh, too much time producing a paper version of that. Um, that was our predecessor before Glad to Have You it was even a thought on someone's radar of uh, a binder, as we call them, our white binders of uh, all the things and things to do and where to go. And my wife and I being such foodies, we even tell people our favorite dishes at all the restaurants that we mention. Mm-hmm. And we have some staff picks and stuff like that in there too. So that's kind of where I have taken the, the creative and said, okay, this is, this is what I want our guests to experience. As far as the way I look at the, the blog is it's about SEO and Google mapping our page as often as possible and so that's why i use a digital marketing agency to do do that for me and sometimes that's the very conversation we have He's like well this is the reason why we chose this restaurant this restaurant was already mentioned here here and here um because of the seo work that they're doing mm-hmm. so they're a good person for us to connect with versus that place that may be your favorite spot in town but they don't even have a website
0: okay yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's that's a great way of doing it, and I'm I'm really interested to to hear that that that's what that's what you're doing because I hadn't, you know, I, I'd just gone through it and I thought, wow, this is such great information. It it doesn't didn't as as somebody who's never been to Seattle, it didn't come across to me that it was it, it may have been written by somebody who did not know or or who was not um, a resident. So obviously, yeah. doing a great job.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's why I've I've let go. At first, I. Um, I was a lot more hands-on with it. Um, they would send me proofs so I would approve them and or have someone on my team go through them but I just found that we were slowing the process down and blogs are those type of things. You want to have new content once a week if possible if not more. So I just let them go ahead and do it I trust them enough to mm-hmm. just do it. You know, yeah, if they miss the mark worst case scenario, I can take the blog post down. Yeah. Um and so that's the way I the way I do it, and I I don't think I've ever taken one down. So,
0: <laughs> oh well, yeah, great job. So, what can you share about your reservation system? Um, it's you know that, that that's that's there are so there's so much out there. I mean, you and I have both been to VRMA. <laughs> it's just like every year there's there are more um, booking systems, reservation systems, channel management companies. I I, I find it incredibly confusing. How did you select the one that you use and, and what, what makes that a good one for you?
1: Well, my first criteria is when I was building my business, I actually purposely chose the reservation system my competition wasn't using. Um, so rather than copying what they're doing, I was like, well, I, rather than us being both uh, limited to the same rules by our software, why don't I choose something else? And so that's exactly what I did. Um, And channel management and how that worked was my primary focus. I wanted to not limit myself on which websites my properties were going to be found on and minimize my expenditure on that. Um, Because at the time, the, the software that my competition was using forced you to pay on a on a uh, commission model which would have gotten very very expensive early on for me and I wouldn't have been able to scale the way I have um, on that type of model instead I was able to buy a subscription still connect to the channels I wanted to and do do everything um, it hasn't been it hasn't been perfect um, it's been through two mergers Now it's now owned by a very large publicly traded company, um, which now is starting to make um, some improvements on it. And I think in the long run, it will be a good, a good fit. I think they have some really smart people. Um, They've kind of cleaned up shop the past year and have some really smart people running the show. And I get to have, a decent amount of input. I think, uh, for the size of my company, I'm not huge, you know, I'm I have 40 properties, so I'm not their largest client by any means, but I was also customer number five, uh, for the software. So, um, I didn't know that at the time I called, um, four different people that were using the software and talked to them. I didn't realize that was their entire client list. Uh, I later found that out. This is one of those advantages of going to VRMA. You get your salesperson a couple drinks and you find stuff out like you were customer number five. And like, oh, really? (laughs) So you're telling me you're telling me that I talked to every single other user when I signed up. So that's one thing I'd say for anybody looking at software. Definitely talk to as many people using the software as possible if you if you only don't only talk to the people that they hand you um, a list for, because if you can't find someone that is willing to say, yeah, here are the problems with the software, you haven't talked to enough people, because there is no perfect software in this business. None. That's why there are so many of them, uh, and there are so many different companies that are doing it. So really do your homework. Find find people that don't like your software that you're considering as well. So at least you have both sides of, of the of feedback so that you can make an educated um, guess. And um, with that, I've stayed with the same company. I know companies that are in my market that have changed software like underwear and have been on five or six different softwares. That gets one costly um monetarily and then second staff time wise having to train them re relearn software deal with all the the channel management over and over again i can only imagine how limited my growth would be if i would have done that instead i've picked a software and kind of stuck with them i have had times where i have thought about switching but i haven't got to the the breaking point of doing that and it's it's worked out well for me and channel management was the uh, the number one thing because I figured you know, all these um, great softwares that have awesome accounting tools, all those things, like who cares about accounting unless you have good channel management to bring those guests in. You have nothing to account for if you don't have guests coming in the door. So that's been my methodology is let's get the guests coming in. Uh, we'll worry about accounting later. <laughs> Once we have something to account for,
0: I, th- I think that's that, that's such great advice, Derek. Because it's it's easy to get swayed by all those shi- you know, the bright shiny things, the bells and whistles uh, on the on the front page and and in their brochures. And 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 it's not until you delve deeper into what issues and challenges that the users actually have that mm-hmm. um, that that you can really make an informed decision. And I know, and, and, and I think I, I shared this with you, that we did this a couple, you know, we, we, we'd had a, a very basic um, system from, from day one when we had, we had our first five properties. And then my business partner, because he is a, a, a database, um, a, he was a database manager for years and years and years. So he's bolted on things and it, it, it made a great system until we got too big for it. And then we, we fell into the bright, shiny syndrome and, mm-hmm. and almost made a massive mistake with, with one of these bright, shiny companies mm-hmm. and, uh, and had to bail out at the very last minute. And I'm very glad we did. I mean, the one we have now, we are extremely comfortable with. Um, but we did that. We, we did talk to a lot of people who used it and, and did not... I mean, we, we talked to some that the company provided us with, but we also did our own research and found a few that um, that they had not provided us with. Some of their customers. So uh, um, we, I, I think, we did get a a good um, a good view, varied view, on uh, on how it works. So yeah, the great advice. Thank you for that. Yeah,
1: the, the the one thing I would say along those lines is, um, if you are working with a salesperson, ask them for a former client. <laughs> or two and and you you you'll laugh but if they're not willing yeah. to do that then that tells you something about them and their software yeah they're not that comfortable with it um you know that's one, one of the best advices i actually picked up from some, someone else and i've now done that um whenever i've gotten uh, the grass is greener syndrome and thought that there might be something better and and you know talk to some people that are former clients and find out really why did they leave mm-hmm. what what happened in their business did they outgrow it because sometimes that's the very nature of the thing of you know businesses grow and from the more and more i get into this companies that i that i find that are in the 150 200 Um, property count oftentimes they do have a cto that is building their own internal software basically because there's nothing that works quite right for them and they're big enough to have the resources to do that so
0: yeah it's a it's a little bit of a minefield though and and i know i i am i am such a sucker for bright shiny shiny things and and i know i'll get to vrma in phoenix in in october and hold myself back. Apparently I'm not allowed to, to even approach any of the reservation managers who will be there just in case I come back with the, Oh, do you know, I think we should be changing. (laughs) So, um, so what's, what's in the future for Seattle Oasis vacation rentals?
1: Well, um, one of the things that I'm currently dealing with is, uh, city regulation issues. Um, just actually a couple days after the the Vacation Rental Success Summit, we had a phone call with um, my competitors and and in the area as well as some people from Expedia, who are now the proud owners of HomeAway and VRBO. Um, they're actually based here in Seattle um, about pending regulations, and um, a lot has come out in the past couple. Weeks and in fact tonight um, at the Expedia Worldwide headquarters they're having an open event for any local owners and managers um, and so we're we're dealing with that issue where the city council is looking at supporting an Airbnb friendly regulation like Portland San Francisco and so many other cities have done where they say that if you don't live in the property you can only rent for ninety days mm-hmm. which would. Totally kill my model. So if that's successful, then I will probably look at abandoning my city-based only model and partner up with a, a friend of mine that has properties all over the state and have us go after the entire state of Washington and have us be all about the every everywhere Washington. Um, so that would might be a make sense thing. Or maybe I keep the Seattle thing and I... Go after other cities that have uh, already had this battle and have come to reasonable terms. Where where the vacation rental urban market? I like the urban market. I like the fact that I get so many nights to to book people. Um, yes, it has its challenges because of the calendar and when am I going to get in to fix this thing? And you know, making sure that we buy things that are not going to break because if they're going to break, they're going to break in the middle of a guest stay. I guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those, those types of issues, they're, they're kind of, they're good, good problems to have. Um, in my opinion, I like being able to work with investors that are able to make this a, a cash flowing machine for them and provide for their retirements and their families. That's why I do this. Ultimately, if I wanted to just make a bunch of money, I would do the apartment model I would just buy my own properties that's all I would do. I would avoid avoid the owners um as lovely as my cats are I could do without them um and just you know cut and cut them out of the equation because it's just one complicating factor that this business is complicated enough um I don't necessarily need it um but I actually enjoy helping other people make money so so however however i can do that whether that is uh throughout the rest of the state or here in seattle first things first is uh educating our our city council people that um eliminating the vacation rental business in seattle is foolish since tourism is such a big part of our local economy so
0: well that's you know that, that that's a really interesting point you make and uh Almost, a, almost a topic of another of a, of another um, interview. And look forward to to seeing the outcome of that. But always, always good to know, Derek, that you've always got a plan B.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly. I mean, that's that's what I've talked to my staff. You know, as soon as the as soon as I found out anything, I reached out to all my team members and let them know, like, hey, this is happening. I'm I'm going to probably come to you for letters at some point for you to send to our city council people and tell them what this job means for you and to really tell the personal story and all that. But also don't be scared because there's going to be, there's going to be a way to make this work. Um, The good news in Seattle, as far as all the research I've done, um, there isn't current law. And because of that, they're creating new law, which means all of our current properties should fall under a, a permitted use because they're, they're basically saying, "Oh, you no longer can do that and when when dealing with real property, specifically in Washington, if they're changing the rules on you mid game, they can't make you absolutely change your business um because of that so now if we if they sell the property, it can't be a maybe it can't be a vacation rental to the next owner, but at least for our current owners, they should be safe far as I can." far as I can tell. Um, that being said, there's no guarantees in life other than death and taxes. So we'll, we'll, we'll go on from there and, well, live, and live to see what, what goes on.
0: That's, that's a good point. That's a good point to finish, I think. <laughs> Derek, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Where can people reach you if they want to talk more about your, you know, talk directly to you about, um, about your experiences with, um, with your property
1: management? Um, well they they can uh, connect our websites uh, Seattle oasis vacations.com um, we're also very active on Twitter Facebook Pinterest um, that's pretty much the primary channels uh, also have a YouTube channel as well um, and also um, in the process of launching uh, vacation rentology calm um to be kind of my brain trust of all the different data um that i've put together through the years of like i mentioned the ten thousand dollar sleeper sofa you know that's the annual revenue that a sleeper sofa tends to make for our clients so things like that case studies white papers um those type of things are all all coming in the near future it's a it's a work in progress so um but yeah that that's those are all the, all the places and, you know, can reach me in Matt's inner circle for those that are involved with that as well. Um, so happy to, happy to connect with people and do so on a regular basis. I have people call me up, uh, just, they find my cell phone number at some point and give me a phone call and be like, Hey, can I pick your brain? And, um, I'm happy to share.
0: That's, that's great. And I'll put links to all of your, um, your platforms and channels on the uh, on the show notes, Derek. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you again, and uh, and I'll I'll look forward to meeting you again in the future. If if we don't meet at uh, in Phoenix at VRMA, then hopefully at uh, the Vacation Rental Success Summit next
1: year. Yes, I'm looking forward to looking forward to both actually. So I'll, I plan on being being um, being there. Actually, plan on. Probably going to ResFest as well, so I don't know if you'll make it out there. Probably not because they're pitching software, so you're probably not allowed to go there. So
0: <laughs> they wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks again. It's been a lo- it's been a pleasure.
1: All right, thanks a lot, Heather.
0: Wow, what uh, what great information from from Derek. So I, I just love this uh, this this different model and. How how it's how it's working for him. There there is no one size fits all in property management, and and it's something that I'm sharing with a, with a few people at the moment who are thinking about starting their own property management companies and really encouraging them to look at what their their niche is. I mean, Derek's clearly is I suppose you could call it the full control niche, um, but really it's, it's more sort of investors who are buying a property and don't have the emotional investment or the emotional involvement in it that would that would have them wanting a great say in how they have it designed and set up um, because they're doing it for their own uh for their own needs rather than looking at looking at the needs of the of the guests that are coming in. In in Derek's place, in Seattle Oasis Vacation Rentals case uh, it's it's a very highly defined market their their personas are defined they know who's coming into their properties and they want them designed to appeal to that particular persona and and it's clearly working very very well so I hope you enjoyed that it um i I so enjoyed the session I did with Derek after we finished the interview. We then got into a conversation about next year 's vacation rental success summit. And, uh, I, I just got his feedback on it, his feedback on, on the venue and on the way it was all organized and all of these things, Mike and I are going to be bringing you, um, probably in a podcast in, um, probably in a sometime during the summer, because that's going to be the time when we've, we've collected all the feedback. We've got a really good idea of what people liked, what they didn't like. And, and we're able to put, really put our plans into place for our um, Vacation Rental Success Summit 17, which, um, which will definitely be going ahead. So as ever, if you've got any questions about um, anything that we talked about on the podcast, um, go to the show notes at uh, cottageblogger.com forward slash VRS132 and ask Derek anything, anything you want. And uh, I'll ask him to check it out and to answer your questions. And of course, I'll have, as I just mentioned, I'll have all his details on, on the show notes. So you can reach out to him via all those different channels as well. So that's it for another episode of Vacation Rental Success. I am so happy that, uh, that you've been with me again and um, look forward to talking with you again
1: very soon. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.